0: And this is the Fashion Photography Podcast and my name is Virginia Antova. Today I'm very, very excited because we'll be doing a big announcement. So keep up with the podcast because I cannot wait to tell you, but I'll do it along with my guest today. She's very cool, very young, but yet married. She's a photographer, but also founder of Chute Magazine. And yes, she's here with me today. We'll be talking about the fact that she moved from the States to Europe in order to work and live here along with her husband. She will tell us some secrets and why she decided to make a custom design for her website. What's her routine on sharing on Instagram and why she deleted her whole feed? And is there a secret on how to make 50 plus K followers on your Instagram account? And there are plenty of great tips on how to submit to a magazine. It's like a little guide of making the best submission of your life. So keep up with the podcast And oh my God, I cannot wait to share the big announcement. So let's go straight to the interview. My name is Lindsay Judish. I'm a photographer.
1: I'm originally from the United States, but recently relocated to Prague in the Czech Republic. I'm also the editor-in-chief and owner of Jute Magazine.
0: Awesome. I've been kind of stalking you on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) So I know that you really wanted to move from the United States to Czech Mm -hmm. Republic. Tell me why, because so many people want to go to the States and you want to do the
1: opposite. I grew up in Colorado and I love Colorado, but I wanted to be in a bigger city. But more than anything, I wanted to live abroad. I lived in Australia for a bit and I really loved that. And I just felt like it was a way to experience life a little differently, to go someplace else. And the reason why we chose, my husband and I, chose Prague is because it's really centrally located in Europe, and it's Mm. pretty affordable to live. So we felt like, okay, well, we can make this new home base. And it's really easy to travel from one place to another. And I think one of the interesting things about Europe for me is that so I grew up in Colorado, and Colorado is kind of like right in the middle of the United States, close to the Midwest, everything is very far from each other. And in Europe, everything is so close together. So it's interesting, because I can experience so many cultures from like, I could drive a few hours one direction and I feel like I'm in a totally different place whereas where I was before if I was going to drive to Las Vegas from where I was it'd be like a 13-hour drive and Whoa. 13 hours here to someplace else is like I'm way south I'm in Turkey you know what yeah, I, mean? I mean so <laughs> so I think that that was a, a big draw it's just so it's really interesting to me to have so many countries in such close vicinity
0: I've never experienced that that's a big reason why yeah you're mostly shooting fashion yes the fashion photography business in the states is totally exploding and everybody knows that (laughs) so for me it was a bit weird that you wanted to move so far away from the States (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think that the photography business, though, is exploding
1: in a lot of places. I mean, there are a ton of fashion capitals in Europe with a lot of work to offer. And in honesty, where I was, there was not a lot of work. I kind of Mm -hmm. reached my cap in the place that I was in. And it's not to say that someday maybe I'll move back to the United States. Maybe I'll move to New York. But I kind of wanted to experience the fashion industry a
0: little bit differently. So I think I'm going to work my way around the world. You're still too young, so you have a lot of time in front of you. Yes. <laughs> uh, you said you you moved with your husband. What's mm-hmm. he dealing with? He's also a photographer. Yeah. What's he shooting? I mean, he shoots some
1: fashion and a lot of editorial portraiture as well. It's kind of similar, but I shoot a lot more editorial work and he likes to shoot a lot more model tests and he really is amazing at editorial portraiture. That's really his shtick.
0: You know, people say keep your friends close, but your enemies closer in this case. You keep the competition (laughs) in your home. (laughs) I'm just gaming, of course.
1: <laughs> Happy two met. through the industry, actually, really? in Denver. Yeah, we were friends for a long time before we actually started dating. But yeah, we both had just seen each other's work from working with the same models and whatnot in Denver and finally decided to meet up. And then we were friends for a long time and started dating. But that's how we met is our mutual love for photography. And it's actually really great to be in a relationship with somebody that you could talk to about these things all the time. Like, it doesn't get boring.
0: <laughs> yeah, Plus, I believe you're helping each other a
1: lot. Yes, and it's nice to have a support system, especially when you're like moving to a new country
0: and nobody knows you. It's like, well, I've got one, okay. You said nobody knows you, but that's not really the truth. I guess that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Because as founder of Truth Magazine, let's be honest, you have about uh, 56k followers on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) How did you do that? Because we know it's very easy nowadays to launch a product. The hardest part about it is to reach the people.
1: Yeah. God, I wish I could tell you that there is some <laughs> secret to it, <laughs> but there's not. It started with just posting quality content. And the same goes for the magazine is, you know, being very picky about the work that, that we publish in the magazine and that we share with our audience.
0: Let's tell the audience, those who are familiar with Jude mm-hmm. Magazine, when was founded, what's a Exactly. Is it submission based?
1: It's been about three years. Um, and yes, it's a submission based magazine, online magazine. I'm hoping in the next year to finally do a first print run. So Yay. that's exciting. <laughs> yes, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I, I was actually, this wasn't part of the reason why I moved to Europe, but moving to Europe has been really good for the magazine because somehow it, it developed over the years that I have a larger audience in Europe than I do in the United States. I don't know how I can explain that because it just kind of happened I don't know maybe my aesthetic appeals to European readers better mm-hmm. I don't I don't know why but yeah so I have a, a much larger audience in Europe so I was really excited to move here with the magazine because I feel like it'll do better when I first have a print run here than it would have previously in Colorado so yes I'm hoping maybe in a year
0: I think this is the perfect moment to announce our big secret about our collaboration together and that the people will be also able to find the podcast on Jude magazine, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so everybody who's listening to us right now know that you can find us also on Jude magazine, which is amazing magazine. And how about Lindsay to tell us a little bit about the submission guidelines? Guidelines for Jute are actually
1: pretty simple as far as submissions go. We kind of have a mood board for each issue that we upload to Pinterest. And it's not that we're looking specifically for the images on the mood board. It's just a general idea of an aesthetic that we're looking for. Mm -hmm. For an issue, we're usually looking for 8 to 10 looks, generally speaking. And if it's for web, then we're looking for 5 to 6. Although that's meant as a guideline, of course, we'll still look at editorials if you have 7 looks instead of 8 or something like that. I think that one of the biggest things that we're looking for is something that's truly in season. We're not looking at trends that are no longer in touch. Of course now, classic work is classic work, but Mm -hmm. I think that we're, like right now, we're about done seeing chokers on every model. (laughs) You
0: know, so... So that's pretty cool because it's like they're submitting for a paper magazine, and a big one. That's very cool, yeah. Like a lesson for the people submitting.
1: I don't know how big you is, but I will say that i do try my best to keep up with what is trending at the moment and like i said a classic editorial is a classic editorial
0: we're always gonna love
1: that but you know you can only publish so much of the same thing before it's played (laughs) yeah absolutely
0: and is there something people should not send except those things that are out of trend
1: there are a lot of things i could probably say that you probably should not
0: (laughs) (laughs) should not send what what about nudes
1: oh nudes are okay if it's not an Entire editorial of nudes because an editorial of nudes is not really fashion. Yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, <laughs> I think uh, I do actually get a pretty decent amount of editorials that are almost entirely nude, and sometimes their photos are really beautiful and I love them. But it's hard because there's no clothes in them, and we are a fashion magazine at the end yeah. of the day. And if I'm looking at a whole editorial of nudes with models that maybe nobody knows, I don't know if it serves <laughs> anybody to publish
0: yeah. a ser- the series. And what about the other things? Can you think of something else that we should be careful about when we're submitting?
1: Well, I actually did come up with kind of a list of of common reasons why editorials get
0: rejected.
1: If you want me to go over that.
0: Yeah, that would be perfect.
1: Okay, so I would say one big thing that I see a lot is retouching problems. Not to say that you have to have a professional retoucher when you shoot an editorial because you totally don't. But you do have to pay attention to what you're doing when you're working on a photo And sometimes too much retouching is too much retouching. (laughs) You don't want your model to plastic at the end of the day. And at the same time, you do need to pay attention to problem areas on face or skin or whatever. So I would say that bad retouching is probably one of the leading causes of (laughs) rejected editorials for me.
0: Do you ever explain to the people why they've been rejected?
1: I used to in earlier days, but at this point, it just I get such a high volume of editorial submissions that I can't. If I did that for everyone, then I wouldn't have any time for me anymore. I do make sure I respond to all editorials, so I at least let people know if it's rejected or if it's accepted type thing. But yeah, I just don't have time to critique work. Every once in a while, if it's an editorial that was really exceptional, but there was like one little thing wrong, Mm -hmm. then I'll say something about it, but otherwise I just I just don't have the time. What else? Another big thing is it just doesn't fit with the magazine. I think that a lot of photographers, they'll do an, an excellent editorial. It's really great, but maybe they didn't pay any attention to the magazine itself. And I would say that I think that that happens because a lot of photographers send, tend to do mass submissions to a bunch of magazines, kind of like the spray and pray method. Since they didn't actually look at the magazine itself and decide, oh, would this be a good fit? Then that happens a lot where it's something that like, no, I don't think that we've ever published something like this before. <laughs> I think that's a big thing. We talked about things being out of season for submissions because that's another thing. Not just an old trend but something that's legitimately out of season receiving a swimwear editorial at the end of fall. Yeah. <laughs> Which, I mean, if I was in Australia, you know, th- this
0: time of year would <laughs> <I'd>
1: be fine. <laughs> um, but I'm not. Another big one would be copied content.
0: Really? Is that a real problem in the world? (laughs) I mean, is this even still happening? Oh my God. That's so amazing.
1: It's interesting because I think that as both a photographer and somebody that runs a magazine, I spend a lot of time looking at fashion photographs of all kinds. I've seen a lot out there. Sometimes I'll get an editorial that I feel like I've seen this before. Mm -hmm. It'll take me a minute to figure it out. And then I'll be like, oh my God, I have seen this before. I've seen an editorial so similar
0: to this before. Oh, kind of crazy. Not exactly same okay well no
1: i guess i should say copy content in the sense that it's like a photographer looked at an editorial mm-hmm. and they really loved it and then they decided to just replicate it instead of using it as inspiration for an editorial yeah. it's like we're gonna do similar clothes same poses like location it, it happens
0: yeah i think i should make another podcast for this
1: editorials that have everything plus the kitchen sink Um uh, mm-hmm. somebody wanted so badly to make a unique editorial. That they put everything they could think of in one editorial. And sometimes we need to take a step back, and it's when they say put together an outfit and then you (laughs) look at the end and then you take off one item type thing. Mm -hmm. I think the same thing kind of applies for editorials sometimes in the sense that I understand the want to have a very unique editorial and do something very different, but pulling out the works on every (laughs) possible angle from an editorial, you don't want it to look overworked. So I think sometimes people forget that some. Simplicity can be a good thing, or that uh, there needs to be some sort of simple aesthetic to counterbalance the craziness that you have going on in an editorial. And of course there are exceptions to that rule. There are yeah. big name photographers out there that do a great job of everything in the kitchen sink like David LaChapelle, but I mean yep. I'm not David LaChapelle.
0: <laughs> so I don't know if I'm Maybe if David is sending you an editorial. You won't think <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I won't. <laughs> but I think most of the time I would. <laughs> (laughs) Is there something else? Sometimes
1: editorials, it's just that there's not one creative element sticking out. I think we went through a phase for a while in fashion where overly simplistic imagery was a good thing for a while, where it's like really simple, simple bland lighting with really norm core clothing and that type of look. But I think that that's gone now. And I wish that I would see that gone (laughs) altogether. (laughs) I think that that was a very short trend. And I don't even know if that's a trend that will come back. Maybe I'm wrong. I guess everything comes back some days.
0: Maybe, maybe it will come back, you know, when the market is too busy. People sometimes <laughs> yeah. need something very, very simple. Yeah. What are the things that you would love to see? The things that you see your screen and you're like, yeah, that's exactly for you.
1: <laughs> I think that that usually happens from something that's a really thoughtful editorial in the sense that it's not just like a team put together a mood board and an an idea. There's like an idea behind the idea. I'm like, how do I best explain it? Like, There's a storyline that's going along with your editorial. Those are the best. Like when I open an editorial and I can tell that there's a story behind what's happening and it's not just about the clothes because it's obviously about the clothes, but at the same time, you want to tell a story. You want something that's going to grab viewers and be like, okay, wow, this is amazing. So I think that storytelling is really important in editorial work. Aside from that, I would say that creative idea from Old concepts is always really interesting to see when you're seeing something that you're like okay you know I've seen this this type of styling before but they're doing something different with it that you haven't seen before kind of like a marriage of multiple concepts or even something brand new I mean that doesn't happen very often but every once in a while when it does it's really exciting
0: what about some editorials that are upcoming oh well that's, that's that even better upcoming, <laughs> like a certain season or a holiday or let's say a movie because for example for the star- Star Wars movie, there were plenty of editorials and they came right before the movie. And I think that was awesome. (laughs)
1: That having a zeitgeist moment is pretty much like perfection of course i I think that not everybody is going to be so lucky to Mm -hmm. come up with something or be that ahead of trends to know what's coming soon but obviously that's even better but for most of us maybe we're not accurately predicting trends like we wish that we were Um, (laughs) but what we can do is make sure that we leave the old ones behind
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) so you would love to see things like that for the future Okay, that's perfect. And you mentioned that you have Pinterest boards with everything that you love. They do. Do you, do you put a link for them on the website? Yes, or on there's,
1: Facebook? I think there's one on our Facebook page as well as on our submissions tab on the website. But it's super easy. It's just Pinterest.com forward slash jute magazine. The Pinterest boards are for the actual issues rather than web tutorials because web tutorials are always open. There's no themes for those. But for each of the issues, it's kind of just meant as general guidelines as this is the Aesthetic that we're looking for for the issue. And it's split into each issue, each board is. And in the board, there's little information that tells you when the issue opens for submissions, when the deadline is, and when the issue releases.
0: Perfect. Okay, so let's sum up this <laughs> keep it real, don't overdo your photos, stay on track, take a look at the magazine before submitting. That's very yes. important. <laughs> don't be out of season, respect other people's copyrights. I think that's very important. That is a big one. Situation. Yeah. Go crazy, but keep it simple. You know, don't go totally insane. We Like we said, we don't need the
1: kitchen sink. Just leave it at yeah. home
0: in your bathroom. <laughs> Absolutely. And if you can, try to take a sneak peek to the future because that's good. And it's good not just for the magazine, but for every person's photography. It's always good to it try is. to invent something.
1: Photography is one of those jobs that you're never going to stop learning. So it is good to force yourself to do something different.
0: Do you want to add something to that?
1: The only other thing that I can think of that I thought was kind of important was talking about poll letters a little bit.
0: Oh, that's a big one. Yeah. Let's talk about poll letters because there are many stylists listening to this show.
1: I know that every magazine has kind of a different method for approaching poll letters. For Jute, we don't really commission work, but I do provide poll letters from time to time if there's a mood board that stylist or photographer sends in that I think really fits with the aesthetic. What I do think is really important though. Is that I think that every editorial, generally speaking, starts in the same way, and that it's a collaboration or it's an idea from somebody, and you have some sort of mood board or concept that you're working with in the first place. So I think the natural progression should kind of always be to go for a poll letter next if you can get one from a magazine, mm-hmm. because I think that it's a fashion editorial. It's about clothing. Clothing has to be the number one in an editorial. And how are you going to get the best clothes at the end of the day? Get a poll letter if you can. But that was something that I wanted to talk about because I wish that I saw a little bit more of that. I I do get a decent amount of requests for poll letters, but maybe not as many as I would expect, especially given a lot of places will let you pull clothes with a poll letter, even if it's not a guaranteed editorial. But if you have something from the magazine saying, hey, we're considering this for the magazine, I feel like it's huge.
0: Maybe they're not asking that much about pull letters because not many magazines provide that.
1: Oh, is that true? I guess I don't know about other magazines.
0: (laughs) That's a good thing that you can actually provide them some pull letters. And do you prefer to get ready projects or you prefer to see the idea first?
1: It is really nice to get email in the first place just kind of giving an idea of what they're looking for because at least then I can look at it and say this may not be the best fit for the magazine or oh this could be a really good fit if you did this or okay yes I do love this let me provide you a pull letter type thing. So I think it is good to see some sort of a mood board in the first place. Of course, though, I'm fine seeing complete editorials as well. Both is great, but it would be immensely helpful for photographers to send some sort of a mood board first. Even if they can't get a poll letter from a magazine, it's good to say, hey, this is what I'm looking at. Do you think this would be a good fit for you? Before you go all in and be like, okay, I'm just going to shoot this and hope somebody picks it up, there might be a chance that you could actually put something together for a magazine that they might want in the first place.
0: Yeah, and let's just mention... Here, that guys, even if you give a really cool mood board and you don't stick to it, or if the final product is too different from your mood board, even when a magazine said yes for the mood board, they might Mm -hmm. not like the final product. That's true. Yeah, you don't have the guarantee from Lindsay that when she says yes to a certain mood board, not just from Lindsay, from any other magazine, they might not accept the final product if you're going too crazy.
1: Yes, this is totally true. And this is why I do provide poll letters, but I rarely provide guaranteed poll letters because just because I got a mood board and it looks really great doesn't mean that things end up the way that people think that they're going to. But I still think that it's a good play at the beginning of the day to try to send some sort of mood board in the first place so you can Absolutely. figure out if you're even in
0: in the realm of possibility to start with. Mm-hmm. True. Do you want to add anything else? I think I, I kind of asked you everything that I could thought of as a photographer submitting to magazines. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> No, actually, I think that's perfect. I kind of made a list of things that I thought were important. And I think that we covered everything. Okay. I will leave a final note, though, before we get off. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, sometimes you shoot an editorial and you don't know where you want to submit it. And that's totally cool. But when you decide to submit it, even if you're sending it to 20 different magazines, make sure you blind copy us.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect that. Then. Okay. And let's say, do they have to send only unpublished work
1: yes yes for Jute we do unless it's we do have a section called our faces section which is more about models and if it's about something about the model itself we don't ask for you know not being previously published but if it is for editorial work we do ask that it's previously published and I do check that
0: Super, super as best cool. I can. No, i mean the part with the models because not many magazines provide that option.
1: Yeah, it's actually been a really fun thing that we've been doing for about a year and a half now. We don't get as many submissions as I would expect that we would. Tell me
0: a little bit about it.
1: Yeah, we do have a section that's kind of like if you do test work or something like that, the model, you can submit it. And if it's somebody that we look at and we're like, okay, this looks like an upcoming model, we think she really has some promise, then we'd like to publish the pictures and we do like a little mini interview
0: with the model. Very cool. I love that. <laughs> Does everybody get an answer, even if they're rejected?
1: Always, yeah.
0: Approximately in what time period?
1: Honestly, it kind of depends on, like, current volume of emails, but I always try to make sure it's within a week at the
0: longest. Let's say 10 days, because I believe many people will send you a lot of editorials now after this podcast. <laughs> Let's hope so. Yeah guys, be brave. That's very very important. And if you get rejected, that's also okay because at least you know where you situated on the market.
1: It's good to get practice at being rejected anyway.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean- I know when I first started shooting
1: oh my gosh I can't tell you I just get rejected over and over and over and over again but it's good it's nice it's a good practice with your character
0: so tell me about the first issue of the magazine did you look for all these people in it or they found you oh
1: no the first few issues were a bit hard a friend of mine and I kind of started the magazine together although she's no longer with the magazine but her and I kind of divided and conquered and was she also a photographer no uh, (laughs) she's a hair stylist mm-hmm. and does makeup as well so yeah we kind of divided and conquered we found photographers in other magazines that do you know submit work mm-hmm. and kind of begged and pleaded with people <laughs> to let us publish their work and it was like that maybe for the first three issues where we'd make a list of photographers and stylists and hair and contact them and say do you have any new editorial work you'd let us publish like please and the first I would say maybe the first two issues a lot of the work had been that had been previously published or maybe we weren't so I'm worried about the amount of looks I just wanted quality content type thing after the first few months it just kind of we didn't have to contact people anymore I guess that it, from the beginning it did well enough that word of mouth spread and people saw other photographers published in the magazine and we started getting submissions so yeah I mean we're lucky in that sense that it only took a few issues and we were kind of off it. But- yeah, in the beginning it was hard. It was like, trust
0: me, it won't, it won't suck. <laughs> did you have some sort of strategy? Because you said that it's been your dream to become an actual paper magazine, but did you know it back then?
1: No, no, I didn't. Honestly, I think a big reason why I started the magazine in the first place was I was a photographer submitting to a lot of magazines, and I dealt with a lot of things that I thought were really irritating or disrespectful from other magazines. Whether it was things like you never heard back from them when you mm-hmm. submitted or they said that they were going to publish your editorial and then they didn't and then you message them and they don't respond yeah. like strange things that happen like that a lot with submission-based magazines and I really really wanted to start one because I was like I could do a better version of this I will respond to people when they submit mm-hmm. to me and if I say I'm going to publish their work I'll do it and I'll treat it with care and we'll design it well I mean at the point in time I think that's all I was thinking was like okay I'm going to try this like we can do this better and then as a kept growing it kind of turned into something that I really love to do all the time and I was really passionate about it now it feels like part of my job but it's the job I really enjoy doing so you still
0: enjoy it that's awesome I do <laughs> great <laughs> no better thing than that. Though we have to mention that the magazine looks really, really nice. I mean, it looks like an established, already published paper magazine. Oh, so thank who you. Helped you with the website? Honestly, it's a WordPress theme. <laughs> I know it's
1: not terribly exciting, but as far as the content and whatnot that's published on there, pretty much me. I'm kind of the only person that runs the magazine for the most part. I have a graphic designer that designed the web tutorials for me, mm-hmm. and then I have. I have a few writers that contribute for stories that go both in the magazine and on the website. My husband, Dave Brown, helps with the website from time to time, but most of the design and stuff with it is something that I did myself and then all of the things that get posted and whatnot,
0: I do as well. You did great job. Tell us what are the problems of having your own magazine? Well, it's time consuming. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely. wildly time consuming.
1: I think most days it's not so much, but sometimes it becomes very hard when I have a lot of client work as far as photography goes. Trying to juggle the two things at the same time is really hard, especially I've kind of made a format where we release something new every day, some sort of new content, whether it's a story or a tutorial or whatever. And so if I have like a big day of shooting, it's kind of like, okay, I'm in the studio. You know, for 14 hours and then I'm going to run home and post this <laughs> before the end of the day type thing. But I mean, honestly, it's pretty good for the most part. I think the next challenge will be, obviously, once I start thinking about doing a print run seriously, I do hope to get more advertisers for the magazine. So I think there's going to be a lot of cold calls in my future.
0: We had a whole episode about the payments for the magazine. Your magazine is completely free. I mean, people can <clears> submit <throat> to it and they don't have to pay in order to be published. Yeah. There are many magazines that do the opposite. What do you think about mm. it? As a photographer, uh, that's very interesting. I hate it. <laughs> I
1: really do. I mean, I guess in my head, I guess my rationale is that I have this magazine and the magazine is beautiful because people contribute to it. And photographers and stylists, the whole group of people, when they put together a photo shoot that they're submitting, they're putting in a lot of time, tears, money, whatever it is it took to put that editorial together. So I feel like to ask for money from them after all this work they did for free. It's just wrong. I don't know. I couldn't possibly agree with it. So I definitely will never ever be that type of a magazine. If anything, I hope to go in the direction where we get good advertisers and have successful print runs so I can pay something. No, of course, it would be a long time before I could pay something significant, but it would be great if I could give the team something for their work. So Mm -hmm. hopefully someday. But I don't agree with having people pay. (laughs) I hope more
0: people were like you. <laughs> yeah it's a big issue for me i mean i really don't think it's right like you said many no. people were putting their efforts and money and talent and those stories mm-hmm. and to ask them for money well, that's weird, but whatever. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's a poor business practice. It's, it's
1: just not how a magazine should be run. Like a, a good magazine doesn't need to make money from the people contributing to yeah. it. They need to make money from selling it or from advertisers that are placing work for people to be seen. It's just of course a poor business model.
0: <laughs> I'm not against profit for the magazines. Totally mm-hmm. not. Everybody oh, has yeah. to be well paid for the job they do. It's of just course. that the photographers and the team behind these photoshoots, <laughs> they're (laughs) So doing a lot of work. Let's move on to uh, some positive topic. (laughs) (laughs) Do you post everything on your own or do you schedule some stuff? You're talking about for the Jeep website and mostly social media. Also about your own Mm -hmm. social media, because those who are listening to us are Mm -hmm. really interested into the politics of social media. And you know, right now there are a lot of restrictions and you have to pay most of the time in order to reach more people. So Mm -hmm. I think it's interesting. I guess
1: for the first part of that question is I don't really schedule a post by any means. I do them at the time that I am releasing something for Jute or for myself if it's for my own photography. i been a little bit inconsistent lately, especially <laughs> with my Instagram, to be honest, because I went through this whole sabbatical where I was like, ugh. Oh. I hate my feed, I hate it all, and I oh. deleted everything and I started over. And then <laughs> and then I started posting things again and kind of like a little bit more of a curated feed, I suppose. And then I kind of realized that a lot of my work wasn't on there anymore, so right now I'm in the the process of trying to like post up recent stuff, which I'm almost done with. And then once that happens, I guess I need to figure out what my Instagram feed will be like in the future. Yeah. It's obviously a hard thing. I feel like I struggle with growing a following well, I don't for Jude. Jude kind struggling? of turned into. Seriously? You have
0: 18k <laughs> followers and you're struggling. <laughs>
1: Well, no, I mean, I have, like, I think I have, like, 11,000 personal followers. But, yeah, I mean, it is hard. My personal page hasn't picked up in the way that, like, Jute has. Like, Jute has become a thing where there's, like, no work required. I just post the stuff that's released. Somehow the Instagram gods have decided that it's good enough that maybe it shows up on people's feeds a lot or something like that because it grows fans organically all the time. So mm-hmm. I don't really have to worry about that. But my personal page has not received that kind of accolades from Instagram instagram so i feel like i'm constantly thinking about what can i do like how can i make my content better i understand it it's a struggle and even though i do have a decent amount of followers on instagram i don't get great engagement which i've never really understood to be honest not as great as like some other people do i don't know i wish i could understand my fan base a little better
0: (laughs) it's good that you mentioned the instagram gods they're truly (laughs) a little bit moody (laughs) Yeah, I can double that. Yeah. One day you get a picture that's like
1: super popular and it's like, I got a thousand likes on my picture today. What on earth? And then the next day you post something, that's like 50.
0: Yeah. And you're like, oh, I've fallen out of good grace with Instagram. What have I done? Which is a bit weird. There are some things that are more popular in Instagram, mm-hmm. like naked bodies, some <laughs> some other parts yeah. of the human body, <laughs> especially if they're <laughs> naked. But truly, it works. It works. I, know. I don't it's know. It does work,
1: that business model works, but not relevant to me. (laughs) Yeah, same here. (laughs) So, I don't know. Once I deleted my Instagram feed, it kind of started over. I feel like it did help in the sense that I was really thinking about the content I was putting out there, not worrying about having to post all the time, just Mm -hmm. more worrying about the work that I was putting out there. And it did help to grow my following a little bit more, but I would be lying if I said that I figured out the strategy there.
0: (laughs) Let's say, what's your Instagram so people can check it out while listening to us? Yeah, my personal Instagram is Lindsay Judish, And you can find it in the show notes in case you're in front of a computer and you're listening <laughs> to us right now. Okay, so do you okay. try to post each and every day?
1: So recently, I've been posting kind of twice a day because I'm trying to catch up on work that hasn't been posted. I'm darn close. But honestly, I think that after that, I think I'm going to try to post once a day, but if I can't post once a day maybe once every two days Mm -hmm. because as much as it's important for your business sometimes I do worry about getting sucked into it too much Mm -hmm. um, devoting too much energy to that when it may not be like the best way to spend my time I'm not entirely sure yet if Instagram stardom is really the key to (laughs) business
0: Oh, that's interesting
1: yeah I mean not to say that I haven't booked work from Instagram but I think that I book more work through my website to be honest than anything else so it's kind of um, I don't know it feels a little bit more like popularity or like maybe to feel good about yourself and your work but at the end of the day I don't know if my Instagram is at the point where it's really going to book me lots of work might be totally different if you were a photographer that has 150,000 I don't know a million whatever you know maybe it's different then. but I think that where my Instagram feed is at it's not going to be booking me book a buck so Sometimes you have to sit back and remember that it's social media. It's not the only part of being a photographer.
0: Yeah, of course. But tell me about the personal matter in your Instagram account. Do you post some personal pictures or you keep it only work related?
1: I do post personal stuff, although lately I've been posting a lot more work, like I said, because I'm trying to get caught up on mm-hmm. posting pictures. But yeah, I do. Um, I want to get back to posting some more personal photos. And I'm not saying it's going to be willy-nilly and anything I feel like posting. But I do think it's important to have something else in there Besides just your work, maybe your lunch, something like that, your dinner. (laughs) (laughs) I don't actually used to post food stuff on my personal account a lot. And then I decided to quit doing it. And I've kind of moved that over. I have like a third Instagram that's Mm -hmm. uh, a shared account between my husband and I Uh that we use for like our travel and Oh, and food cool. and personal life and stuff like that. So Do you that want I was to share like, it? Yeah, sure. It's Mrs. and Mr. Judish. Yay. It's M-R-S-A-N-D-M-R-J-U-D-I-S-H. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and so that's just where all of our more personal lives go because sometimes I felt like posting too much stuff on my personal Instagram that maybe wasn't relevant to business. And I was like, okay, this needs to live someplace else.
0: Yeah, I must admit that I do have some cakes on my Instagram, (laughs) but everybody knows that in the show we talk a lot about food, (laughs) additionally to the photography. It turned out that me and my editor, actually Mm -hmm. the men of my dreams in life, we're both really into food and it turned out our guests are also into food, so yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. But every time, in every conversation, we also talk about food with every guest. I don't know how, because I'm really, I'm not trying to do it, but still. So yeah, there are a few
1: cakes in my Instagram account. Well, you know, if it goes with your aesthetic, though, then it is hard to find that balance because like you don't want your feed to feel totally sterile, which is how I'm feeling about my feed right now trying to catch up with work. But it's hard because you want people to know you as a person and your personality and your life, but also to appreciate your work because you're like a a package in the industry. You're not just a photographer. You know, you're a human being, too. People are going to hire you for your personality and for your work, type thing. So it's hard to find a, a balance balance in between there and to not make fans
0: want to leave your page (laughs) (laughs) i think also the followers want to know more about you not just your work
1: yeah exactly i think that's true but at the same time i feel like if you deviate too far then it starts to be like okay well you know like uh picture of her and her husband and then I saw a picture of a cake and then uh, evidently she was at some event and I haven't seen picture or her photography in six posts so I think I'm gonna go <laughs> yeah yeah So it, yeah, it's hard I'm so I totally agree with you people want to know your personality but they only want to know it so much <laughs>
0: they only want to know the pretty parts I That's think true. maybe so just three cakes and the rest of the photos are only work no worries about <laughs> it <laughs> okay so <laughs> talking about Personal life, Maybe you don't want to share it all. What do you think about the social media and the way everybody's putting their lives right in your face? I don't know. I mean,
1: it, there's good and bad sides to both. My husband and I, we have our personal Instagram account. We have date night every Friday. And we tend to post pictures from date night every once in a while. Like when we go to a good restaurant, here's what we ate. Or we saw this really beautiful site. This is where we were. But at the same time, it's hard because you don't want to get too caught up in that. Because you have to, you don't want to forget to enjoy what it is you're doing. You know, going out, right? (laughs) (laughs) I know, I know, it's hard, but I think I am lucky because he's a photographer as well, and he understands social media and whatnot, and he likes our shared Instagram too. So we're we're both kind of on the same page. Where okay, yeah, we go out to dinner, we have a nice dinner, and we're not really going to you know worry about (laughs) social media. But then when that one like really nice plate comes out, and you're like, that's so pretty, I need to take a
0: picture of that right now. It's cool that you're having fun together. I think it's really adorable. You're kind of fresh to the married life, right? Yeah, we got married in June. Awesome. Tell me about your personal website. You launched mm-hmm. just, I think you don't even have a month. Oh, it's been like a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. tell me about it. Uh, I'm really
1: excited about the new website. I feel like I've had this addle with my website since I first had a website. Like there's always something I didn't like or I get a layout and I was like ugh, I get like sick of it, and so I've always wanted to have like a custom built website. And I'm lucky enough that my husband also does computer engineering, so he built my website for me. Like awesome. I can't take any credit for it. Maybe <laughs> I maybe for I the I photographs. Wanted. Well, yes, the photographs. And I knew what I wanted it to look like and how I wanted it to be laid out and stuff. But he did all of the code for the website for me. (laughs) I'm really lucky. I'm super lucky because I've gone through, started off with like Weebly, I think, in the very beginning before I even had my own (laughs) name for my website and kind of through some like WordPress ones. And I don't know, it's been a battle. I think that even if I wasn't married to somebody that did it, I think that I would have been saving up for a new website to have somebody design one for me because I feel that was like the last piece of the puzzle for me, I suppose. I felt like I didn't look professional enough. It didn't look how I wanted, you know, to portray my work to the world. So now it does. Now I feel
0: it's like all polished and clean and new and I'm really excited about it. That's very interesting topic, being professional, <laughs> having a website for it. Cool idea, and I really stand for it. But I understand that you had previous websites. hmm I did. So they were like templates. The last two ones I had were WordPress templates. And it's not that
1: they were bad. I'm not saying that my website, my previous designs of my website were bad by any means. I just felt like they didn't look as polished as I wanted them to look. But for where it was at the time, it was totally fine. I've just gotten to the point where, career is like well okay, I'm ready to start contacting some big magazines and making some changes and I'm like and I want my website to reflect how I feel about
0: my work <laughs> did you start approaching them already?
1: No no actually did just because my husband and I just finally got our visas we've been in Prague since July. <laughs>
0: Yeah, you need yeah. visas.
1: Oh, I did not even we thought about it. Yeah, they just finally yeah. got approved like two weeks ago, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we just now are able to take on work. We're both kind of starting that process. Totally forgot about it. We've had quite a time since we've gotten here. Mm-hmm. Not that we regret moving by any means, but we didn't expect it to be nearly as complicated as it was. We got here and we needed to have a permanent address before we could go apply at an embassy for a visa. And it took us a very long time to find an apartment. We'd finally a place and it'd fall through and fall through over and over again and so It took us almost two months for that to get that. So once we went to go apply, we found out that we were almost out of our time in the Schengen area. So we had to move to another country temporarily that was outside of Schengen and then come back once our visas were approved. So Mm -hmm. that kind of put a weird stop in our whole process. And during the beginning of it, we had shipped all of our stuff from the States. And so we didn't even have our equipment with us. Like we'd shipped everything. Mm -hmm. And so we couldn't shoot even if we wanted to. Type thing. I don't know. It was just a hot mess, but we're finally settled in. So it's really new. It's new. Like, we haven't even experienced the market here yet. Mm-hmm. So I finally have like my first shoot here next Monday. Like, Yay. that's where I'm at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: how did you manage to find a team? Oh, man. It's been hard. <laughs> yeah. As a fashion photographer, I know how hard it is, but also how important it is. Obviously, I've been
1: working in a, a different market for a long time and it's gotten really easy. I knew everybody. And I wanted to do a shoot, you throw something together the last minute if I wanted to. But here, it took me quite a long time to put together a team. It's been quite difficult to get people to even respond to me sometimes here. And I think that, I think it's like a few things. I think that culturally, I tend to be a little bit too bubbly sometimes, I think, for Czech people. I have to temper that.
0: <laughs> what do you
1: mean? Sometimes my personality type is feels a little bit overwhelming for people here. Oh. <laughs> He keeps <laughs> going from, from Colorado, kind of in West. People are super friendly and exuberant all the time. And yeah, it's I possible. think, yeah, is, I'm in the Czech Republic now, and people are a little bit more serious. And I'm not saying that people aren't fun here just the same, but.
0: Yeah, we are cold blooded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just so, kidding, of
1: course. <laughs> yeah. So I have to like temper that a little bit. I know it's been hard for me because I don't know, I could be a little bit in your face and overly excited. So uh, get better about that. But aside from that, it's been difficult because sometimes you do run into language problems and i'm trying to learn czech i don't know i'm hoping that i'm going home for the holidays but when i get back i'm hoping i can get into some classes so i could be a little better because i think sometimes a lot even if um the people here do speak english a lot of times things get lost in translation because they're not fluent and (laughs) and i'm like go 100 miles an hour most days so (laughs) it's a little bit difficult to find people because of those two things i think that working via email i wish that i could talk to people more in person but it's easier to do email because then they could take something into Google Translate and try to figure
0: out if they don't know. Yeah, plus they can see it whenever they are free. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It did take me
1: a while, but I did finally put together a team, so I'm pretty happy about that. I'm hoping that once I get back from the holidays that I can start contacting some more people to do something that's like a more collaborative effort because what I'm, this is for is for the next issue of Jude. And so it's kind of like, oh, okay, I already know what I want to do and this is what I'm looking for type thing. So I think that it'll be easier to find people once I have, like have a conversation and say I want to collaborate with you I'm not like trying to find you to come do my shoot I want it mm-hmm. to be our shoot type thing yeah. I hope it'll <laughs>
0: Where do you look for those people?
1: Oh my goodness. I think a lot on Instagram, to be honest.
0: I kind of play the game where it's like, okay, well, I'm going to go to
1: the local agencies and then I'm going to look at the girls and I'm going to see, oh, who do they shoot with? And then go look and then I'm like, okay, who's hair and makeup? And then you go down this like web of Instagram (laughs) type thing. I tried Model Mayhem a little bit, but I think people here don't use it like they do in the state. No, no. Not at all. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I looked and I was like, oh, I was looking for hair and makeup artists and I found like seven total. An olive oh, <laughs> model yeah. mayhem, and I was like, oh shit! You know, back at home, there'd be like 50 in the local metro area. Yeah, we don't so, use it that much. Yeah, I just think that not enough people in Europe use it for it to <laughs> make mm-hmm. sense. Like at one point, I'm kind of past the days of model mayhem. I feel like earlier on in your career, you use it a lot when you're trying to find people to work yeah. with and you don't have connections. But, but now, not so much. But I was lucky that some that I did know some people already through Jute, so people that have submitted in the past or, you know, work with the magazine in the past and had some connections there. So it made it a little easier, even if they weren't available to shoot, than to have a starting point. I'm like, okay, all right, I know who you are and I know you're here. And I know your Instagram. So here we go. I'm going to find people.
0: Yeah there are a few websites I've been listening about these days mm-hmm. and maybe they can be in use for somebody, even for you. Yeah. One of them is called be scouted Oh, yeah. Founder is in our group on Facebook, the Fashion Photography Podcast. Mm-hmm. Also I've heard some good stuff about talent. It's an app for your phone and I haven't tried it yet but a few people told me that they're really happy with the website Creative Finder. But like I said, I haven't tried all of these yet. For London for example, I know some Facebook groups that are really working well mm-hmm. Behance is always working for me at least
1: oh really god yeah. that's so funny I know a lot of people use that in Europe it's uh, not really so much a big thing in the, the state so mm-hmm. I like forget about it <laughs> sometimes <laughs> maybe because you should
0: try it's it. yeah that's a good, a good idea
1: that's a good idea
0: Plus, there are so inspiring projects over there that you can just look at it all day and then close it and you have one day wasted, but you are <laughs> so inspired in the end of the day, which is also very important. So talking <laughs> about inspiration, where do you get yours?
1: That's <laughs> always such a hard question because, I don't know, it comes from everywhere. I mean...
0: Yeah, I don't know why I'm asking. I know it's yeah. <laughs> a good question. I know oh, no, why I'm no.
1: asking. No, but I mean, everybody always wants to know that though. And I sure. guess the, the answer is a little different for everyone. but. I think that I spend a lot of time looking at uh, fashion photography mm-hmm. because I run the magazine and I respond to emails every day. We get, like, a 100 new submissions a day or whatever. And so I'm always looking at pictures. I'm always looking at Pinterest. I'm, like, really Pinterest-obsessed. I, like, yeah. look at Pinterest every morning. <laughs> Thanks, and pin pictures that I like or I think is cool but I think that the best ideas the shoots that I always like the most are things that I come up with from silly thoughts (laughs) I don't know (laughs) you know like maybe it's something that I thought about in a dream or daydreaming or i, I don't know <laughs>
0: understand you yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: so i feel like that's generally where like the best inspiration comes from with my own brain because I've shot a lot of editorial work and some of it's like a little bit more simple and something's a little bit more extravagant with bigger ideas but I feel like the work that always turns out the best is something that comes from with a from a genuine idea of your own rather than inspiration that you're seeing on the internet type thing do you have a notebook i actually just started a notebook I've never had one before. But I decided when I moved to Europe that I was going to start a notebook Mm -hmm. (laughs) for when I do photo shoot. I guess I used to sometimes jot things down. I'm really crazy about lists. I do lists for everything. Uh (laughs) So if I had like an idea that pops into my head, I just like jot that down or whatever. But then I'd end up... I with this like paper all over my desk like I started a new list for everything and I never had like a notebook or anything but I'm trying now I'm trying to do a notebook now that's like at least for every time I have a photo shoot I want to make sure that I'm really documenting everything and then in the back of it I just jot down all my silly ideas whether they're totally ridiculous or
0: (laughs) something interesting you said that you like to keep a record of everything what about backstage photos I try to remember I'm really terrible about the that. I would try
1: to be better about it. I mean, when I do big shoots, I try to, sometimes I sponsor and they post on social media. So I'm like, okay, we have to take some sort of <laughs> behind the scenes, I guess. I'm just going to snap a picture of a model looking cute and then post it. But I tend to be really bad about it. <laughs> I wish I was better about it because I always think, oh, it'd be so great to have like some good behind the scenes pictures. Maybe even something like a me behind the scenes from our website and I forget about it like 99% of the time.
0: <laughs> Same here. My makeup artist the other day asked me if I can send her some backstage photos for an interview that she has. I was like, yeah, sure. Let me just see what I have. I had none. <laughs> I had just one photograph. Sorry. And on this photograph, her hair looks terrible. Because <laughs> we were working, you know, and nobody's taking care of their own I understand. Yeah, it's hard.
1: It, I mean, you have too many other things on your mind in a photo shoot to like think about a secondary photo shoot, which is like taking behind the scenes pictures. I think I've gotten lucky anytime I have like a bigger shoot when I've had an assistant there, I could be like, please take yeah. some behind the scenes pictures because otherwise they won't happen. <laughs> so I've gotten lucky a few times, but uh most of
0: the time, no. <laughs> Um, What do you think is the most important thing to book a photo shoot? Because we as a photographer talk with a lot of clients. Mm -hmm. But no, not all these people are actually becoming our clients. So do you have any type of advice for the people who are listening? How to book a shoot? I think sometimes you have
1: to not just let your work speak for yourself. I think a lot of photographers, they're really, they're visual people, obviously. Like that's why you're a photographer. And you think that your portfolio should be enough to book somebody. But I think that what people forget is that being a photographer, not as high of a percentage of your work is photography itself, a lot of it's marketing and whatnot. And I think that sometimes you forget when you're trying to book a client that you have to be personable, just they have to like your work, but they have to also want to work with you, (laughs) which is difficult. That's a hard thing, because you have to somehow convey yourself in a way that makes them feel like, okay, yeah, I would want to spend a whole day with that person. (laughs) That's the truth of the matter. So you got like, an inquiry for a lookbook or something like that obviously they're looking at your work and they know that you're capable of doing whatever it is that they want you to do but then you still have to make sure that they want to hang out with you
0: (laughs) oh i have good question for you you know that the prices in the states and here in europe are completely different right Mm -hmm. are you prepared for this (laughs) that's a big question. Yeah, because if you meet somebody tomorrow and they Mm want to book you for a photo shoot and you jump to the price you would say in the state, so they can tell you that you're completely crazy. Are you prepared for the difference?
1: I think so. Honestly, I think that I'm a little bit lucky in the sense that I wasn't coming from a big market. I was coming from a really small market that paid really poorly (laughs) Mm -hmm. for photographers just because there wasn't enough of an industry in the city that I was... And to warrant photographers getting paid really well. So I can't imagine that I would run into a situation that would be totally shocking for pricing. And then on top of that, I did do my research a bit before we got here. <laughs> okay, this is going to sound terrible, but you just make fake email accounts and contact photographers and ask them, oh, can I get a mm-hmm. quote for this? Find out. Okay, well, that's normal here. Okay, now I know. <laughs> (laughs) now i have something as like a frame of reference for what's normal i'm really not worried about it to be honest do you have any friends in the czech republic i have a few people that i know and kind of like acquaintance friends with stuff through jute but not anybody that i was personally
0: friends with before i came here so you have somebody to ask if you're too confused (laughs) Yes. That's good. You mentioned several times agencies. Have you ever been in an agency, photography agency? No. Oh, okay. So it's not that weird. No.
1: You're
0: on here. Uh
1: No, not at all. And like I said, I feel like it's a little different in comparison because I was in such a small market. So Mm -hmm. there was one agency that did represent some photographers, but didn't really get them work. So it was also Mm -hmm. kind of pointless to be signed with an agency there. Like everybody was freelance. That's the way it was. It's pretty normal for me I don't think that there's been any like real shocks transitioning into the market here so far Mm -hmm. yeah I'm lucky in the sense that Prague's obviously has a fashion market but it's not it's not like a huge market it's not like moving to London or Paris or Milan it's like a good transitional city (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah well at least I'd like to be here for more than
0: just a transition
1: for a few years at least but
0: oh hopefully keep up the good work with the magazine of course thank you so much for this interview it was my honor thank you I hope you liked this interview and don't forget that in the show notes, you can find the links to all of the things we talked about. Also, from now on, you'll be able to find our podcast not only on iTunes, Never Magazine's website, but also in Jude Magazine's website. And guess what? I'm so excited! Ooh, yeah, I'm dancing over here! <laughs> I hope on Friday I'll get back to my roots and I won't go absolutely crazy in just two days. So keep up with the podcast and don't forget to leave us an honest review if you can or whenever you can. And thank you very much for joining us today.